And it is Denver Sports Night on this Tuesday night in the Mile High City. I am Will Peterson. Pleased to be joined tonight by Andrew Mason and our good buddy James Merrillat. Busy, busy day as it was a schedule release day, apparently, around the world of Denver sports. We learn the Broncos training camp schedule with a couple interesting wrinkles in there that I want to get into. We learn the Avalanche regular season schedule. Uh, so much for raising banners at home. They'll play three on the road eight days into the season before we get a game at Ball Arena next year. The Avs also make a trade with the draft looming tomorrow night. So plenty to get into, plenty to talk about. Andrew Mason, how you doing today, man? Does it feel more real now that we've got an official training camp schedule in front of us? A little bit, yeah. I feel like you can start planning out the you know, the, the, the next couple of months uh, of your life, basically. At least I, I feel that way with my life. Now I can figure out, okay, this is, you know, the day I got to make sure I'm settled in for training camp. We're going to have the bar, presumably have the bar, the barbecue for the media one day before. And, um, I mean, we don't know all the details about it. Like, we don't, we still, believe it or not, we still haven't gotten a finalized confirmation on the Broncos-Rams joint practice, which will be after the f- open-to-fans portion of training camp. But we got those 12 dates, and for fans who are coming out, they're gonna do, you're going to do a little bit more playing this year to go to camp. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because that's what I wanted to, to start with tonight here on Denver Sports Tonight was uh, two things. First of all, you will need a ticket if you want to go to training camp this year. No more just... Wake it up on a Tuesday morning and saying, you know what? Let's go watch the Broncos practice. And second of all, Mace, only 3,000 tickets will be available for each day. Remember, they had more than 7,200 fans at a practice last year. So folks are going to have to be on top of this. Uh, they go on sale is the wrong word because they're free. They become available tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. on Ticketmaster. So, I mean, I don't know about you, man, but I'd advise people, if you want to go to training camp this year, make sure you're in front of your computer tomorrow at 10 a.m. and you've got a date or two in mind. No doubt. That's that's basically it. And I start with, and I would say if you're, if you want to have a strategy here going about it, start with the weekend days. Like, if you want to go to that first Saturday practice, now, it's not going to be a full pad practice, but there's some that always want to go that first Saturday. It's the day that the Broncos do events at practice, the back-to-football day. If you want to do that, I would say make that your first priority and do that right away and then start saying, okay, I'd like to go on this Wednesday or this Tuesday or whatever. So then look at, at the high-demand days that are likely to be weekend days and then start there and then go out from there in terms of trying to plan things out. But the thing is, well, most of the practices – only had like usually had about two thousand to twenty five hundred people out there anyway. Okay, that seven thousand one hundred twenty one number for one practice. I mean that was sort of the outlier. So I really think in the end that most days are going to look pretty much the same and feel pretty much the same. It's just now that you're you're creating this scarcity of it by saying okay there are three thousand tickets every for every practice, and I think maybe that'll. That'll compel some people to, to jump on board a little earlier. And let's bring in James Merrillat on this because, James, the Broncos say, quote, due to Arapahoe County restrictions, 
each practice will have a limited capacity of 3,000 fans. What do you make of that, and what are these restrictions? Because last year they got 7,100 people there, and apparently a new law has been passed since then, or they just ignored it last year. That language to me caught my attention. They're capping it at 3,000. Do you have another reason in mind why maybe they're capping it at 3,000, or do we just take it at face value? Something in Arapahoe County changed. Well, I think it's. I think it could be both, right? I, I, look, is that a, a rule in Arapahoe County? Sure, very, very well could be. And Mace talked about it. That return to football Saturday last year was the only day that would have exceeded that, and that was because there was probably half that crowd was local, uh, you know, little league football kids that were invited down. You would just make that just for the football players, and it's not open to the public. And then you know, every other practice is open to the public, so that's a pretty easy one to work around and given the fact that they're in the 2000s for most practices the well-attended practices one you wouldn't have to turn anybody away and two it seems a lot easier to me to turn a few people away on the random day where you hit more than 3,000 than to make every single person go through a ticketing system for every single practice now you're inconveniencing everyone every day instead of a few people on one or two days it's just silly so i'm just not i'm not buying that and to me and i know we were talking to mace earlier and he mentioned that there's a rule if you charge for uh, admission to training camp that you have to let scouts from other teams in there quirky rule not many people would know about it it's a classic macism that he did know that but i think this is a gateway to eventually they're going to charge you to go to training camp getting a ticket is the first step in the process. It's, hey, we're going to charge you for your second checked bag. Now we're going to charge you for every checked bag. Now we're going to charge you for a carry-on. Now we're going to charge you for peanuts and a Coke. It's just, it's it's getting you going down that slippery slope. And the first thing they do for that is, hey, just got to have a reservation. You just got to reserve your spot. You just, we can't have too many boats on the lake. You just have to have a permit for the boat ramp, and the next thing you know, three years later, you're having to pay to uh, to launch your boat. That's what's happening here. It's just a matter of time. You're going to be paying to go to Broncos training camp as soon as this team isn't coming off a 5-12 and 12 season. Wow, okay. James Merrillat makes it known that he thinks this is a, a gateway by the Broncos to eventually charge for these things, which brings the logical question, Mace. This is from the 6230 on the text line. Are people going to turn around and sell these things? Are are, are the bots going to get on there tomorrow, snap up the 3000 for each day like that? We've seen all the fiascos that Ticketmaster has had uh, industry-wide, particularly when it comes to concerts. And are, are, are people going to try to make a few bucks off of these by, hey, they're all gone by 10.07 tomorrow, but you can pay, you know, so-and-so from Arvada 20 bucks a pop and go see Broncos training camp. Is that another can of worms that they may have opened up, Mace, by doing these tickets? They may. Now, one thing that they have done is they, and this actually kind of hoses you if you are a large family, they're putting a cap on the number of tickets that you can access per practice per account at a time. So, like, you ha- you can only do four at a time, like, per order. So, like, let's say you wanted tickets for that first practice and you've got, and, and you've got a family of eight. Then you'd have to get four and then go back in with a separate order and do four. So, to, to get to eight. So, they probably, you know, maybe they're thinking that that limit is going to be a fail-safe on that. But um, my, my cynicism is uh, undefeated, 
So I absolutely think you're going to see brokers that are trying to do that. They're trying to snap up tickets and then turning around the secondary market. I, I would actually, you know what? That'd be interesting to check about a day from now on like Vivid Seats, Seat Geek, whatever, and see if there are tickets available for training camp out there on the market. I wouldn't be surprised if there were. Yeah, and it, it's it's a supply and demand thing. In in this year, there may not be because I mean, heck, guys, we were all out there last year for the per- first practice with Russ, and there weren't three thousand people there. So I, I don't expect there to be this huge demand this year. But if this team is good, if it turns back into the Manning era or the Tebow era, I mean, you could have sold you could have sold tickets to training camp during either one of those quarterbacks' time here in Denver and, and made some money. And Mace, you touched on it in the, or might have been Will, the, the the limit to four. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. I mean, typically speaking, this is a, hey, okay, I'm going to grab, uh, you know, my kids and a few kids from the neighborhood, and we're all going to pile in and we're going to go down there. And now it can only be myself and three other people. I mean, this is just it's making something complicated that did not need to be complicated. So that begs the question: Well, why, right? Like, Damani Leach isn't isn't you know laying awake at night thinking how can i how can i make life more difficult what is really simple right now that i could make more complicated just just to make life harder for our fans and to put up a wall between us and the and the and the and the, the, the die hard fan what could i do to make that harder no he's laying the groundwork for a future revenue stream i don't think there's any doubt about it well and james i want to be clear i'm not saying the demand is going to exceed three thousand people i'm saying i don't trust Ticketmaster. so either. these three thousand p these three thousand tickets may be gone by 10 10 tomorrow yes. and then people will have to pay to get in on the day they want to go the other you're you're 100 right and it because this the the supply will go down the supply will truly be less than three thousand of course so the, you're right about that the other problem with this, and the example I used when I was on with um, DMAC and O was, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, the, the local pool here in my neighborhood. It's HOA. There's a limit, and it's a pretty high limit, but on hot days, the last couple of days, they've hit it. And if you don't get there early enough, you have to wait in line, wait in the queue, and it's one in, one out. Imagine if you had to – their answer to that was, okay, from now on you have to make a reservation for the pool. Uh, okay, uh, August 8th. I'm hoping it's sunny because that's the day I've got a reservation at the pool. That's ridiculous and absurd. And part of the fun thing about Broncos training camp is you get up. It's the day that, hey, we don't have any camps today. We don't have anything going on. It's a you know few days before we got to worry about going back to school. You know, it's a little overcast, so we're not going to go down there and just bake on the hill. Let's do it. Let's go. It takes away all the spontaneity. Now you already have to know what you want to do in early August. Good luck. I, I just this is a categorically disastrous idea on the part of the Broncos. Mace, would you uh, agree that with that strong of wording about it, or do you do you see where they're coming from here in any sense at all? I guess to try to make things more organized. I don't really understand the whole ticket thing, though. To be, I, I can't come up with with a good reason to do tickets. I mean, I understand it because on those days when the crowds have been uh, extreme, I'm th- thinking not just of last year, but you go back a few years ago and you'd see like a five thousand or six thousand. I think once you get past about 3,500, it really starts to get kind of uncomfortable in teaming. And, I mean, you start looking at, like, the facilities, for example. I mean, they've got, you know, they've got, like, that one, those 
that that one area, like one one men's room and one women's bathroom, you know, over there on the concourse. I think they've probably, in terms of facilities, and also there's a parking issue as well because when you'd have thousands upon thousands of people that'd be parking in the in the in the, so- the soccer field park uh, caddy corner from uh, from the facility, you know, they would. They wouldn't let you, but people would try to park in the Arapahoe County Justice Center. And I think there's, I think there's also issues like that that are in play here, that are governing this. So, I under, I understand it, but you are losing something, like you said, James, the spontaneity of it, because now you're sitting there, and you're gonna on on June 28th, you're gonna say, okay, I'm gonna go to camp on this day. What if it's what if it rains? I mean, we've been in an incredibly stormy pattern in Colorado recently. What if it's one of those days where the storms gather early and you look out the window at eight thirty and you're headed to practice, it's gonna start at ten and it looks like it's gonna storm and this is the only day that you've got practice for. Well it's too bad, so sad, you're not gonna go to training camp this year. And honestly, this is another reason why I would like to see the team at some point get back to doing at least one practice at the stadium like it used to. Because you did that on a Saturday. Like you do sometimes like the the Saturday scrimmage. That was easier to plan for. And there are a lot of people that just, if they're going to go to one practice, they prefer to have a practice where they can go into a seat, sit down, be comfortable, watch the practice, rather than be on the hillside and run the risk of uh, getting, you know, getting baked by the sun or uh, getting dumped upon uh, on a rainy day that would cancel the whole thing. And and I would be fine with that, Mace. And that takes care of the parking issue and the restrooms issue and the concessions concessions issue and all the rest of that. It's it's the stadium has the infrastructure to deal with the crowd. The the number of people that show up for practice is, you know, a, a fraction of what is there for a game, so it, it would be totally fine. And and that would be great, but I just don't buy the excuses and to me there's you know there's reasons and there's excuses these sound like excuses to me and not from your standpoint but from from the broncos because i i just don't buy it and and i guess why my you know feathers are ruffled so much guys is teams just continue to put up walls between themselves and the diehards right there's a reason why there were eighteen thousand people down at ball arena for, to watch road games during the NBA Finals because you could get in for 10 bucks and, and you could you could they had no the, the, the folks that you know live and die with that team and really really root for that team and have been for the for for decades for the most part and this is a generalization but for the most part they can't they can't afford a $1500 ticket to go watch an NBA Finals game but they can go spend 10 bucks and and take you know, all six people in their family, so it's 60, and sit in the same seats and watch the game and be around people and, you know, the, the communal experience of, you know, rooting for your team and going crazy and high-fiving strangers and all that, they can get it because they can't do it at the actual games. You know, the, the Broncos are spending $100 million down there to, to, fix, to, to spruce up the stadium. Yeah, the scoreboard's going to be cool, but a lot of it is to put new suites down on the field level where people can pay a ton of money and be down there right with the players and have all this VIP access. That's not for average Joe. Average Joe is just forgotten in sports. So sports has gotten to where it is because of average Joe, and now that they're there, they say, hey, average Joe, you're a nuisance. We have to get the sheriff out here to direct traffic. We have to put up some porta potties. We have to do this. We have to do that. We don't want you here, average Joe. 
this is just another example of it, and it's why it's got my feathers ruffled. Well, and that's I'll what, say this real quick, Will. Sorry. Yeah. Um, there are some teams that don't have even as many practices open as the Broncos do. I mean, I was looking at the Rams today. The Rams have seven practices open, and that's it. Um, the Chargers have only five practices open to the general public. They have another seven there, season ticket holders only. You hope it doesn't get like that around here where there's kind of a gatekeeping that says only season ticket holders for, for this number of practices or that they cut down the number of open practices because that's something we're seeing around the league as well. And at least 12 is actually going to be a number that's on not the highest. I think Pittsburgh has 16 practices open out there in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. But I think – but this is still going to be on the higher side, and you hope it kind of stays at least that way because – Again, like the slippery slope kind of comes in. I don't, I hope we're not sitting here a couple of years from now and talking about only six practices being open. Well, and it's a good point, Mace. And, again, it goes to they look at it short term, and it's not worth the trouble. Like, is it a, is it a hassle and a, a – do they lose money with all the staffing they have to do for training camp? Of course they do. They don't sell enough – Concessions or not enough people going to the team store, or whatever, for it to net out. They they would make they would be better off from a profitability standpoint to close the gates and not have a single person come into training camp. They would be, but it's an investment in the future. And if you have a five year old kid, that's the way to get them exposed to the Broncos. What are you going to do? You're going to buy a three hundred fifty dollar ticket and take your five-year-old kid down to Empower Field and they miss half the game because they want to go get Dippin' Dots and they want to go get cotton candy and they want to go do the things that five-year-old kid wants to do? No. So one of the ways to build fan affinity for the future is to give them experiences and exposures. You know, for the most part, and we were down there a year or two ago, right? Remember Zach brought his son down? His son... It's just as exciting for him to come down and watch training camp, and there's the players, and there's the crowd, and everybody's in orange and blue, as it is to go down to a, a, a regular season game. I take my tackle football team. The Broncos are nice enough through their community department to set us up with tickets, and we go to the last preseason game, right? There's hardly anybody there, and the players love it. They get to experience going to Empower Field. They get to watch the team. It doesn't matter that the game doesn't count. If you start taking away those opportunities – 20 years from now, when you look up and those kids are rooting for some other team or those kids are rooting for some other sport, you have nobody to blame but yourselves because you're taking away the opportunity to build the, the fans of the future, and that's the part of it that the Broncos are missing. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. I, I do want to ask you guys, though, as we've got a few more minutes here, we're getting a lot on the text line, 303-713-1043 is the RamosLaw.com text line. Do you guys think – if they do eventually make this more exclusive, and they are this year, let's be honest, 3,000 is now more exclusive. We'll see what the tickets are like tomorrow trying to get them. Or if they, James's idea comes through and they'll eventually charge, do you guys think that they need to make upgrades to the fan viewing experience at the Centura Health Training Center, Mace, specifically with either some sort of bleacher seating that's more comfortable than the hill, or more importantly, some sort of shaded area so people don't bake in the sun for three hours every day? Yeah, you know what? I mean, they, they, we've heard, uh, you know, Greg Penner talk uh, about uh, some of the stuff that came back in the NFLPA um, survey regarding uh, facilities and all that. I, I expect at some point we will see some sort of significant thing done 
on that spot at Sincure Health Training Center. Uh, because, I mean, one thing we've talked about, uh, that the locker room itself, you can't get any bigger. And it's probably not, it's not as big as you'd like uh, for everyday use. So I would imagine that if the Broncos do decide to uh, build something new, a new building or, or what, or, or, or something along those lines, on that parcel of land, that part of the redevelopment, I believe, would involve uh, some kind of a bleacher area or play or, or something a little more organized for people to sit rather than being on the hillside. I, I can't imagine that upgrading that experience wouldn't be part and parcel of any project they might do on that land. Mace, did you go to Minnesota when the Broncos had joint practices up there a couple years ago? I did, yes. And they came back raving mm-hmm. about the Vikings facility. Uh, what, you know, A, do they charge for practice? And B, they do not. What's the setup for fans there? Okay. So they can they actually have a stadium there on site that they'll do like a night practice at. They'll also use they use it for high school football, big high school football games and things like that, and even got a press box there. And so they'll have that spot that they'll do a couple practices on. But their regular practice fields, they've got they got bleachers. They're it's on they're on a little bluff and then they got bleachers and fans can can sit there. And it was fantastic. I mean, they could get about 2,500, 3,000 people in the bleachers to, to watch practice. Um, not every aspect of the Vikings facility is what you want, but in terms of, in terms of fans getting in and out, there's a you know, plaza area they can enter. They're, they're developing like some condos and apartments and things like that. It's, it's exactly what you would want from a fan experience. And then you look around the league elsewhere. I think Miami, when they built their new facility, they've got an area with, with bleachers uh, where fans can sit. Tampa Bay actually has a setup where when they have to take practice inside because of the frequent thunderstorms, they can accommodate two, 3,000 people sitting on bleachers inside their field house to watch practice when it gets bumped inside. So you've got all of these things that are starting more and more to involve actual seating rather than just uh, on a hillside. I think it was a good idea when it was built, but I think we're seeing in this arms race around the NFL, everyone can get bigger and better that the Broncos are going to probably have to upgrade it a little bit. Got a text here from Gordo that I want to read. He said, when I was a little kid in the late 60s, I remember going down to Mile High Stadium on a Saturday afternoon where you could mingle with the players and meet with them and take pictures. That's the kind of thing that made me a lifetime fan, not having to go online and find tickets to go watch a damn practice. Yeah, and and look, I, I, I'm with the texture. And to some extent, you know, I'm old enough that I long for that bygone era, too, of going up to Greeley. And Mace, you and I worked there when we were going up to Greeley for – training camp and it was a different experience and people could sit on the hill and they would have scrimmages inner squad scrimmages under the lights uh, up there on campus and you could go down right along the ropes that the players had to walk between to go from the practice fields up to the uh, locker rooms and you could try to get autographs i get it things change right it's a big business now it was different then and yeah, I, I understand all of that but i again i, I just think you're you're taking away some of the experience that made me, in part, a lifelong Broncos fan that, that bleeds orange is because I would go up there with my grandpa, I'd go up there with my dad, I'd go up there with my brother, and you would have those experiences. You know, it, it wasn't something that they planned on June 28th of, hey, in late August, we're going to go up to Greeley, and here's our ticket. I just think you're you're taking away some of what, uh, some of what makes it special. 
and and I don't know how you get that back. And maybe maybe I'm just being the old guy yelling at the clouds, and that's fine. Uh, I've been accused of worse, but that's how I that's how I that's how I feel today. That they're taking away something that is a part of kind of Broncos history, and it's going to get more and more of it's just going to get taken away. All right. Well, we appreciate your time, Andrew Mason. Uh, you guys can go read about all these changes at DenverSports.com. Coming up on the other side, though, James and I are going to bounce over to the Avs because not only is their schedule out for next year, but they also made a pretty big trade today. Dramaslaw.com text line is 303-713-1043. Lots of good feedback on the text line, James. It's a it's an issue today that I don't think the Broncos meant to create uh, a, a setting where people are upset. But at the same time, I think when people saw this ticket news today, based on this reaction we're getting, there's a lot of people that are on your side and, and not real thrilled that this can no longer be a spontaneous thing, and they got to be at their computers at 10 a.m. tomorrow just to make sure they're going to training camp this year. Well, yeah, and Will, again, I don't mean to be the guy who just is always being pessimistic about things, but, like, when you don't get 3,000 people for the vast majority of the practices – and then you claim, hey, it's because the limit is 3,000 people. Sorry, but I smell a rat. Like, th- th- that doesn't add up. That doesn't make sense because you were well under that for everything other than the one practice you manufactured into a big deal, which was cool. It's really cool that they have all the local kids who are playing, um, you know, Pop Warner football and, and middle school football and all the rest of that down there. That's awesome. I think it's a great thing. I was out at the Broncos um, flag football thing on Saturday. It was awesome. They do a great job at stuff. So I don't mean this to be, you know, I'm bagging on the on the Broncos, but you, you're creating something that is a, you're creating a solution for a problem that didn't exist. Mm. So that begs the question, why? And, and, I, and I think people are smart enough to, to know something is afoot here. You know, I've, I've gotten some messages on Twitter of, hey, it's a, it's a data grab. Maybe. Maybe, maybe they do just want to get your information. So to some extent, they are charging you admission because they, they've got your info now. Um, but I, I'm with you. I think this is going to turn into a bunch of bots and a bunch of things like uh, things like that buying up the tickets. So they're not going to get any data. And then they're all going to be on the secondary market. I think the, the end result, Will, is going to be we're going to be out there and there are going to be some sparse crowds for Broncos training camp. Yeah, because 2,000 of them went to bots and just went – Unsold because I don't know who's gonna I don't know who's gonna pay to go watch a Broncos practice. No, yeah, and, and we didn't have big crowds last year, right? And it was Russell Wilson's first year. We were all shocked on the first day of like, wow, this is all that's here, and if, and that was making it as easy as possible to go see it. Now you're gonna make it more difficult, and I don't want to be you know o- over exaggerate guy and say, oh, it's making it so hard, but it is. Admittedly, it is more difficult now than it was last year. You make things more difficult for people. For a product that wasn't very in demand, okay, you're going to have five, 600 people there for some of these practices. The 4394 chimes in and says, on this day, in this time, in the year 2023, I find myself in agreement with James Merillat for the first time in the history of the planet. So you got a fan out there for the first time in the history of the planet, my man. That's great. Listen, we don't all have to agree on everything as long as we can agree that once in a while we're going to be on the same page. So, no, I I, I appreciate that. And I'm going to admit, Will, I'm probably overly emotional about the situation just because I've got so many memories of doing this kind of thing. You know, when I was 27, I got my first motorcycle. My grandfather was 77. 
and he had a Harley. And it was, you know, getting a call from him in the morning of, hey, do you want to ride up to Greeley and go to training camp practice? Oh, that sounds fun. And so, you know, you take all the back roads. It's a little two-lane roads. And you can turn the drive to Greeley into a couple hours if you want to, which we did. It was fun. And just hanging out and watching the practice and, you know, being up there. And good luck doing that kind of thing now. And it went away when it came down from Greeley, and I didn't like that either. So I get that I'm I'm that guy, but... It's just the fact that you're you're killing those the chances for those kind of memories. New new opportunities will develop, and people will find other ways to, you know, build the connection with the team and to come up with cross generational uh, ways to do that. But that's why it, it strikes a chord with me. So I'll at least uh, throw that out there and admit it at the jump. I just hope if I get on Ticketmaster tomorrow at ten thirty, James, and all these tickets are gone, that they went to people who actually wanted to go, and that would be my hope because that's the one that's going to tick me off is if they didn't go to people, they went to bots, they went to scammers, they went to brokers, and then all of a sudden, even, even it's not the money necessarily, but even if, if someone's making five bucks off of this when it's supposed to be free, that's going to tick me off too. I, I'm with you, and again, I, I, I hate to be the alarmist, but we just enjoyed something that was completely free, right? We all got to go downtown for the parade, and yeah, you know, you got gouged by various parking lots but whatever once you were down there you could go to the parade route you could find your spot you could watch all the nuggets come by you could yell and scream you could hold up your sign like i did you could go to civic center park imagine if next time a team wins a championship in this town hopefully it's next year they said hey we gotta control the the crowd size at civic center park and we're gonna limit it to two hundred fifty thousand people one you would say why what was, the, what was the problem this year? Like, was there, did it get unruly? And I know there were incidents on that day, but it had nothing to do with the parade, and it certainly had nothing to do with crowd size. So it, that wouldn't make any sense. And then it would turn into three parades from now. It's 250,000 people paying the city $10 to be able to be down at Civic Center Park, and we'd all go, oh, I get it. It's a $2.5 million money grab by the city. That's what's going on. It's a it's a long play here, and that's what these teams are doing. Well, and but to be fair, fans did break the barricades and surround the the truck with Nicola and Jamal on it, and the, the officer got seriously sure. injured. So yeah. there there and actually it, yeah, was an seven, incident related to the parade this year. You had there was seven hundred fifty thousand people, and there was an incident. I, I'm with you, but is the answer to that? Uh, hey, we got to have tickets, and if there's only 250,000 people, that won't possibly happen. I think you can make the argument you have a better chance of that because once you charge people to be there, now they really think they're entitled to get out there and get close and get personal and you know be in front of people and, and all the rest of that. I, I think for the most part, it's a free thing. Everybody could come down and enjoy it, be a part of it. There are so many people around this city and this state that will tell that story of being down there you know, a couple of weeks ago forever, and it was free. And you could just show up if you wanted to, if you wanted to get down there spontaneously, you could you could go down and be a part of the crowd. There's just so few of those kind of things now left, especially in, in big-time sports, whether it's college or pro. I hate to see uh, any of them go by the wayside. 4038 chimes in, makes a good point. He says there's another unintended situation here. People who work office jobs in front of a computer will have better access to the tickets tomorrow than those in retail, hospitality, labor jobs. Another thing that, yeah, if they're there all day, then it's not that big a deal. Hopefully folks can find a couple minutes. 
But if I have this feeling that they're going to all be gone within an hour, then the texture's totally right. People who are, you know, unable to access Ticketmaster because their job won't let them from 10 to 11 tomorrow morning, they could be out of luck too, at least in terms of getting a free one right away. Yeah, exactly. And that same that same person could be, you know, hey, on a Tuesday in early August, it's like, hey, I got a random day off. I'm going to go down to Broncos training camp. Well, good luck now that that that's, you know, out the window. So, yeah, because no- they could just to your point, the spontaneous uh, portion of this, they could have just shown up. Like yeah. we, we all know people who work jobs who Monday afternoon, they get a text say, Hey, we don't need you tomorrow. Okay, cool. I'm off on Tuesday. I'm going to Broncos camp. They don't know that on June 28th, but they will know that on, on August 7th. Exactly. And will we've been down there for every practice for, I don't know, four or five years. Right. And I haven't had in last year's, you know, back to football Saturday or whatever. It was crazy. There was a ton of people, but that was by design. It was it was almost a, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy because the Broncos invited so many teams out. There wasn't a single day, not a single day that I can remember where parking was an issue, where there was no place to sit, where it was such a cra- a, a long line at the for, to buy a water for a dollar. Kudos to the Broncos. It was a reasonable price to buy a water that I couldn't get one to go to the bathroom. There was never a crowd control issue, even on the day when it was. 7,000 people, there wasn't one, but there wasn't a single one. So you had no problem, but again, you're creating a solution for something that didn't need to be solved. If that doesn't raise red flags and make you say, why, why are you doing that? Then I just think you're kind of, sorry, I just think you're kind of naively wandering through life if that doesn't raise a red flag for you. Well, and to just blame it on Arapahoe, just to blame it on Arapahoe County, again, the one sentence, due to Arapahoe County restrictions, each practice will have a limited capacity of 3,000 fans. I, I would love, and, and maybe I should do it myself, I would love some digging uh, for the for the county to explain when this 3,000 fans thing went into place and, and why it wasn't an issue last year and why the Broncos can just blame it on Arapahoe County and wash their hands of it this year. Hey, we had nothing to do with it. This is the county. That, again, is a little suspicious to me. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And, oh, there's not enough parking. Well, 3,000 people could be 3,000 cars. It could be 750 cars. Like, there's no way of controlling that. All I know is Arapahoe County, they're going to lose a lot of revenue because they wrote a lot of tickets for that illegal U-turn. <laughs> I got one of those. Um, yeah. Anybody who's been there more than about three times because it's like this is the logical place to make a U-turn. Oh, yeah. There's no reason not to make one here. And, man, Officer Friendly was always out there to let you know that cost you 100 bucks. Yep, I got one of those back in the day. All right, clearly we still had plenty more to say about that. <laughs> um, so we will get to the apps. We will. Alex Newhook no longer plays for the Avalanche. We'll tell you what it means next. The Avalanche have made a trade today. Alex Newhook no longer wears the burgundy and blue. He is a Montreal Canadian. The Avalanche get back two picks. 31st overall tomorrow night in the NHL draft and a second round pick 37th overall that pick will happen on Thursday abs now have two late first round selections and that early second round selection James Merrillat uh with new hook leaving town it kind of just is an admission from the avalanche front office that asking him to be a second line center was way 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 bigger than he was capable of and maybe through no fault of Alex Newhook's own that thinking he was a potential replacement for Nazem Kadri today sort of shuts the door on on a perplexing 
perplexing decision-making process, I guess, for the Avs to think that was their plan. Yeah, and it doesn't mean he's a bad player, and it doesn't mean he won't turn into a really good player down the road. It just means that the idea that the defending Stanley Cup champs were going to roll a young player like that out as the replacement for Nazem Kadri was just a mistake. It's not quite to the level of Trevor Simeon is going to replace Peyton Manning, but it's it's in the same vein, right? Of like, oh, everything else around him is so good and the defense is so good and, you know, you got these good receivers and the rest of this, like, we'll be fine. We'll, they're going to they're gonna help this kid play at a higher level. To some extent, that is true. But you also still got to be able to play. And Nazem Kadri is such a, you know, such a veteran, such a, a heart and soul guy. That was just too big a shoes for Alex Newhook, JT Comfort, anybody that they tried to plug into that role um, to fill. And, yeah, it's, it's clearly an admission of it. And, Will, we were both surprised. In hindsight, we shouldn't have been. But we were both surprised on draft day a week ago with the Nuggets that they didn't package their three picks and move up or get somebody else. I will be very surprised if this isn't trying to gather assets to trade for a name player because the Avs are in their window. I don't know that they're going to bring somebody in that's going to be any better this year, next year than Alex Newhook. So I, I think it's to gather assets to trade him to a team that's looking to stockpile young players, and you can go get a veteran that can help you immediately. Yeah, that would certainly make sense. And it's not like the NBA where, you know, it, I mean, you're not getting Connor Bedard, right? So it's not like you're looking to draft a rookie and he's going to be the missing piece to a cup next year. You're looking to go trade three three high-profile draft picks uh, to a – to a Winnipeg or something like that, uh, a team that is kind of fringe rebuilding and get one of their better players and plug him in on, I mean, maybe second line right wing, right? Like we, Gabriel Landeskog's not going to play this year. So right. assuming Nachushkin comes back, but it's Nachushkin, Johansson, and who on that second line? Well, maybe you you turn these picks from the new hook deal into, into a name player like that. Yeah, and, and that would certainly, you know, immediately solve that situation versus, hey, we hope this guy can step into and play into that role. I, I think the Avs hopefully learn their lesson. I think they certainly should have. So we'll see. And, and look, it, it's not a bad – it wasn't a bad theory. If you've got young players on your team that you've seen play, it's not like they hadn't seen Alex Newhook play at this level, and you're like, you know what, he's ready to make the leap. And you decide to go that route, younger and cheaper route, because then you can spend money in other places. That's a fine strategy. To some extent, it's a very defendable strategy. But when it doesn't work, you have to quickly pivot from it. To me, it's a little bit like I understand why Russell Wilson wanted to bulk up last year and try and become a pocket passer and, you know, extend his career that way. But then when it clearly doesn't work, it's like, hey, you got to get back to the weight you were and playing the way you you did when you were successful, same kind of deal of no, there's no sin in thinking that's the right path. The the, the mistake becomes when you stay on it. And Newhook had 33 points in 71 games the year they won the cup when he was a third or fourth line guy, right? Mm -hmm. And then last year when he was asked at times to be a second line guy, he had 30 points in 82 games. So he actually, his production got worse as his role got better. That's kind of crazy to think a guy was more productive on a fourth line than he was a second line, but that just goes to show you that he was playing in the proper role the year they won the Cup, and he was playing in a wrong role, a role that was too much for him this season. Right, and it's who you're skating against when you're playing in that new role. Right, you're on the ice with better players with you and against you, and he was really, really good when, you know, when you're playing on the third or fourth line, pretty good chance he's one of the best people on the ice at that point, 
all of a sudden you're up on the second line and you're not, and it, it's hard to shine. So, yeah, it's – but, look, you got to give people a chance to, to step up to that next role, and, and I don't fault the Avs for doing that. I think – and kudos to them for realizing it was a mistake and moving on to a different direction. We'll find out tomorrow night what that direction is. Speaking of return of the Mac, Nathan McKinnon will be back on the ice in a regular season game October 11th in Los Angeles. That's when they're opening things up. They then go to San Jose, then to Seattle, not home against Chicago till October 19th. Ten seconds or less, James. That's a, a far cry from getting open at home and raise a banner. Three on the West Coast. Good luck, boys. Yeah, and the opener, doesn't Chicago have the number one pick tomorrow night? Connor Bedard? Yeah. You're going to see him in the Avs home opener, right? There, you, I, I, I would assume so. Yeah, that, you would assume so. Yeah. All right, for KJ, for James, I'm Will. It's DST on the fan. I've never been your life.